What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Black Menaces Podcast. I am your host, Nate Bird, and my other host sitting next to me is... Rachel Weaver. We are so excited to be back with you guys for episode number two of the podcast. Absolutely. Very excited to be here. We got a couple great questions that we're going to tackle from y'all today. Um, If you ever want uh, your question answered on the Black Menaces Podcast, just shoot us an email at the Black Menaces Podcast at gmail.com. I think there's actually no the. It's just blackmenacespodcast at gmail.com. We'll be sure to post the link on our uh, videos on YouTube and everything. Uh, join our Patreon to get uh, exclusive video of us filming the podcast, looking all good and stuff. <laughs> Mainly her, not me. I look scruffy. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, we are so excited to be here with you. So I guess we could just jump right into it. We don't have any menace moments today. per se unfortunately but that's what we need you guys for is also to email in about your menace moments ways that you have just been a menace in your life uh because we know you guys are out here doing the heavy lifting in your personal lives too so do you want to get my question first or yours yeah i think eventually we're gonna instead of just like depending on the users for right now because we know y'all dependable but we want to make sure that we have a menace moment every week Mm -hmm. so we could probably start doing like a black history spotlight of like someone who was a menace you know yeah what have you i don't have one pulled up right now so we won't do it but stay tuned but yeah let's go ahead and start with your question okay so we're not going to identify who said these questions but uh, we'll make up a name I'll make up the name um, Ethan. Sure. Ethan. Um, Ethan right. That's a basic name. I know a lot of Ethans. But don't call it basic. Oh, sorry. Um, well, that's just a, a common name. That's, that's not identifiable. Name, yeah. Okay. Right, okay. Ethan's question to the podcast is, I had two good friends who were atypical members of the church for our area. One was Mexican and had a lot of curves, boobs, and booty. The, I love the uh, way you said that. <laughs> the other was a rocker chick with a shaped head and an edgy, wild vibe. They each found that people in the church wanted to date them, but only for the experience of dating someone, quote, exotic. They were not actually um, being considered as potential partners. My friends referred to it as being exoticized or only dated because they were exotic and the person pursuing them wanted the experience or the bragging rights. Have any of you ever been exoticized at BYU or by a member of the church? Very good question. Excellent question. Um, tapping into a lot of stuff there. Um, Nate, do you want to take it away first? I can if you first. want me to. Um, yeah, I can go first. <laughs> So my experience at BYU, at least with dating, was a little bit different because I made a decision to only date black women, which period. thinking about it is interesting since I came <laughs> to BYU. But I guess the idea was like I would find somebody who um, had like the same thought pro- or like belief systems that I did coming out here. And I got lucky. I did, but I actually didn't find them at BYU. But yeah, I met my wife, my wonderful wife here in Provo, Utah. Um but yeah, so in that sense, it was a little bit different. I wasn't open to dating anyone that wasn't a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a, that was his own challenge, right? But I will say there were a few times where I did receive some attention just for being black. Uh, my freshman year, I didn't feel like I fit in very well. And so that kind of, you know, I tried to reinvent myself a little bit. And I almost fell into the, the sunken place, we'll call it. Um, where I was trying to use my blackness and my my status as a black man in a predominantly white space to kind of capitalize off of the attention I received, um, you know. So I would I would make jokes about myself. I would 
um, you know, use self-deprecating humor, those kinds of things, and, you know, crack jokes about race and things to make myself seem like the approachable, popular black guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, during that time period, I did receive some attention from some people, from some women who, you know, were, were kind of looking to date someone who was an athlete or who was, um, who was just different than everybody else at BYU. Um, so, you know, in that sense, a little bit, yes. Um, but overall, I would say my experience has been pretty unique. Do you want to take it away? Because that's all I really want to see. Okay, you know what? I'll share one story. Okay, okay. come on, Nate. Don't, don't hold person, out on us. What? <laughs> I don't know if this person will listen to the podcast or not. Well, or if, if they, they do, correct your ways. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this happened back in 2015. Uh, I... There was this girl who was interested in me, and I was not interested in her in the same way, and she wanted to know why, and I I wasn't going to, I just said I wasn't interested, but my roommate, uh, trying to be helpful, he came to me and asked me, hey, why aren't you interested in such and such? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just not interested in that, but there's got to be a reason, right, man? And I was like, well, okay, don't tell her, don't tell her this, but... Uh, you knew he was gonna tell her, Nate. I, to be honest, I really didn't. I thought I, I trust. Come this on, man. Nate. I, that's what I, you know. But um, <laughs> he, so I, I was like, the reason I don't, I'm not interested in her. It's not because she's not attractive or anything. It's because I'm only interested in dating black women because that's who I want to marry. And, Period. Um, he's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then this fool went and told her, right? So then she comes to me, and she's like, well, but I still, you know, that's so. You should date me. You know, I'm good. I'm cool. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. And so then. Uh, like a couple days later, I was walking back to my dorm and this girl, bless her heart, she was outside, like laying on a towel out in the grass. And she's like, Nate, I'm tanning for you. <gasps> and I was like, yo. Oh what? my gosh. Actual, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just kept walking. I was like, ah. whoa, <laughs> ah, smile and wave. And then I just walked inside. But I thought that was wild. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's necessarily being like exoticized or what have you, but you know. It was definitely somebody who went out of their way to pursue me. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that I'll add is what's interesting about the church and white people in general who just don't interact with people of color is anything that makes you unique is exotic to them right? Mm -hmm. Like even our hair. This isn't dating per se or particular to you know making a relationship happen. It's just existing right? If you're watching the video here, you see my hair. It's it's not that unique if you live with black people. Like black women have curly hair. It looks different on every woman and it's beautiful in so many ways. But being here, um, people make me feel like an art exhibit. I don't know if you feel that way, Nate, with your mm-hmm. hair sometimes. Or just your look overall. People really have to highlight how different you look and that makes me feel exotic and different even when people don't try to do it like I remember when I came back from my mission and I moved into my apartment with my one of my good friends the other two girls who are roommates we didn't know them and their aunt was helping them move in and she she just stopped when she saw me and was just like you're just the most beautiful person I've ever seen And, and there's just like a level of like is it because I'm black or is it because I'm actually like an attractive person? You know, you know what I'm talking about. There's mm-hmm. the difference of like, oh, I appreciate your beauty, or like, you you have really pretty eyes, or I really like your nose. Versus white people, normally when they just think you're, they just are like, you're just beautiful, and everything about you is just like 
and it's it's like too much almost that's not appropriate for the situation um maybe i'm just have low self-confidence and i don't see what people see but sometimes it comes off very much like it's because i'm a black person and you just haven't spent enough time with black people and you expected me to almost be unattractive or you expected me to look i don't know that's how it's come off to me lots of times Mm -hmm. and that makes me feel exotic and especially the hair aspect like for me in particular everywhere i go when i'm in really large groups of white people my hair is is a is a comment it's a concern it's a conversation it's a point of contact physically for some people with me um which makes me feel weird. I don't like that. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any experience just overall. I feel like that is more so my experience. And I've experienced a little bit with dating, but more so with uh, just existing as looking different and dating. I mean, we could tell stories, but... Mm, for sure. <laughs> Man, oh matter. So many stories we could tell. I know, but yeah, the, the whole hair thing, it doesn't happen to me anymore. Nobody's asked me to touch my hair in a long time, but... My freshman year, again, when I was trying to be all friendly and approachable, mm-hmm. I did get that. And I was like, you know, why do you want to touch my Like, I've never seen a white person have been like, oh, I must touch their hair. I must, you know, like, touch So strange. I've never wanted to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they saw my hello fro at the time. And, yeah, they wanted to touch my hair. Um, and it was just a, a point of fascination for them. But uh, I think Utah can be kind of a dangerous place if you are unique in a certain way. Um, namely, if you're a person of color. Because there's so much pressure to conform here that everybody kind of wants to look the same. Um, everybody's also related, but we'll, you know, that's, that's a story for another time. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure to be, you know, thin, mm-hmm. blonde, um, you know, member of the, the LDS church. Um, and, you know, kind of have like the same political views, same religious practices and views and things like that. And if you don't fit that mold, then it's kind of hard to, to fit in here. Um and so people oftentimes want to to kind of conform to that. But then at the same time, there's also this pressure to be different. So like if you're rebellious, then you want to do something that's a little bit different. And so there are definitely some people who will date someone who is black just because it's like a way of rebelling and being different. Or they'll align themselves with something that isn't uh, normally, you know, part of Utah culture. Um, there's a choir that I sing in where I think oftentimes people join that choir. It's a gospel choir, and I think that a lot of times they join it um, because it's a way for them to stand out. It's a way for them to be different, and it's a way for them to feel special. No shade to those people, um, but I think in a lot of cases it's just a way for them to kind of step outside of the conformity that is Utah and uh, just experience something a little bit different and kind of like feel that that feeling of not being the same as everyone else. And that's not everybody in that choir, but I think it's... Uh, you know, there's some people, you know, the ones that come and go pretty often. I think that those are the ones who just want to feel something different. Yeah. And kind of touching on that, I think people in Utah really struggle with being different in a, in a good way. And I think people, it's a really homogenous culture here in Utah. So when people have the opportunity to attach themselves to anything that will make themselves different, mm-hmm. they jump on that opportunity yeah. because they don't want to be like everyone else. Like personally, <laughs> I have seen people white people date people of color because they don't feel like they are like air quote the average white person right so they date a person of color to feel like they can align themselves almost with being different if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and they don't realize it comes off very badly to people of color we can very much tell that you've just been searching and fiending almost for some type of identifier 
to be like, well, I'm not like everyone else. Like, that's why I'm dating someone who's Hispanic or that's why I'm dating a black person mm-hmm. is because they so badly want to prove that they are not like everyone else that, like you said, they do it out. But sometimes it's not necessarily out of rebellion to like rebel to their parents, but it's to show to the world that they are not like the mainstream LDS culture. Um, and the one other thing I want to say about being like ex- exoticized is as a black woman in particular, especially as me being curvy, um, it's very it's very interesting to see considering the church's stance on sexual purity and chastity and all those things and seeing the way certain white men interact with me um, and them almost being hypersexual to me that I know that they would not be towards a white girl if they were dating her has been really interesting to me, especially as I have um, move further away in terms of my expression of church culture and what I wear and what I do. Um, I've seen that more and more that white men are very quick to be very sexual with me very fast in a way that I'm like, okay, I was not expecting that. Like we barely know each other. Um, and I just always think, would you be this sexual with someone who didn't wear the same shirts as me, didn't wear the same pants as me, um, and who didn't, whose body's composition wasn't made up the way mine is. I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? No, yeah, that but, makes a lot of sense. And I see that a lot. Mm. So, shout out to the white boys. There's some, <laughs> some freaks out there on them, uh, them, them dating apps, bro. Yeah, and yeah, White men are out of pocket sometimes on dating apps. I need to start screenshotting the stuff they say, but they are so ready to just get with a black girl. And mm-hmm. if you give them, if you entertain them enough, they will expose themselves to you. Like there's this one white guy who I know. He always hits me up anytime I post like a cute thirst trap type thing. Not of my face, of anything like of my body. Literally hit me up and I was like, oh, I love this shirt on you. I'm sorry, what how am I you're not even gonna check to see how I'm doing you're not even gonna pretend you're not even gonna try to buy me a meal or nothing like come on buy me a meal at least McDonald's (laughs) McDonald's my guy but no straight to you already know what I want and I'm like that's crazy you at least need to buy me dinner (laughs) okay Um, do you wanna segue to the next question um, yeah, but before we do, one oh, last thing. I had a friend, friend just kind of on along the same lines. Uh-huh. I had a friend who was telling me about his experience. Um, I don't know if they were dating or if it's a situationship or whatever, but his experience dating a, a black woman, he told me, these are his words exactly. He's like, I almost had colored posterity. I was like, what? I, <laughs> I told him I was like, bro, you you can't say things like that. And he I probably, said I almost had colored I was posterity. In, he said the word colored, and it, you know, like as a joke. Um, and I guess he was comfortable enough to say that around me. And I white just man? smiled. I was like, bro, this oh, is a white guy. Yes, a very very Wahite <laughs> gentleman, <laughs> man of the Caucasian persuasion. Oh, from, also from Utah. Sorry, one other thing that I want to add about that. I had a friend who, he grew up in Utah. He's half black. And I feel like he's very, personality-wise, very stereotypical Utah boy because this is where he's raised. His interests are like Utah type things, likes to do mountain typey thingies, you know. And um, I was talking one time, I was like, oh, um, black men here in particular, when they date, they can get anyone. Like, 
if they're the stereotypical black guy in a lot of ways, they can get anyone, even not good looking black men. Like if they right. were in they Chicago, no hairline whatsoever. Yes, they could be back home in Chicago. They would get nobody because they are not cute. But because they're in Utah and certain white girls just want to be with a black man, they get a lot of attention in dating. Um, and I was talking about that with him and he's like, wait, Rachel, I feel like I, nobody likes me. Like nobody was interested in me. Nobody wants me. And he's like, am I ugly? And I was like, no, you're not ugly. I said, the thing is, you don't offer what these white women want from a stereotypical black man. I say you're not into sneaker culture, which isn't bad, but like that's a very telltale sign of a stereotypical black man, right? You don't really care about your hair in the way that black men do. Like you're just, and these things aren't bad. You don't dress like your swag level is very much Utah. You don't talk like a black man from an urban environment, which none of these things are bad or wrong, but everything that they seek from that they want to gain that they get from being in this relationship with this stereotypical black man you don't offer them so they're not going to go after you because they'd rather go for a white man who's going to offer that to them than a black man who you know i was like because you're just like you act like some of the white guys here which is nothing wrong with that and it wasn't bad i was just saying that's that's kind of what they're looking for and they're not getting that from you Mm -hmm. so that over amount of attention that they sometimes get you don't get because you're not giving them that so it's just interesting to notice and look at that's mm-hmm. good know, point this, though right this, was this, that yeah one? oh absolutely that's there's a lot of things we could go into <laughs> i tell you what we, we're not going to go into it all because it gets a little explicit but if you read the the autobiography of malcolm x he talks about uh those those women in, in new york who would come down to to harlem uh to get a little something something before they went back to to uptown wherever they live mm-hmm. and i mean it's the same thing there's a certain thing that uh, that is expected that you know and that goes into the hypersexualization of black people we won't talk about that today uh but we're going to go into this next question uh what's a good name for this person what should we name him Demetrius. Sure, yeah. All right, so Demetrius says, Hi, I'm a student at BYU, but grew up in Las Vegas. We have a very good mix of uh, white, black, Hispanic, and Asian, but I know a lot of people from other places have not. Uh, One thing I've noticed is that people who have only met a few black people in their lives tend to get nervous around black students more because they are afraid of doing or saying something that might be taken as racist by accident, which is very valid. Uh, For example, I have friends who say when they pass a black student on campus, they don't know whether to say hi or just keep their eyes elsewhere and keep walking. If it was another white student, they definitely wouldn't say hi, but also don't want the black student to feel like they avoided them or that they aren't welcome. Then if they do say hi, are they giving that person unwanted attention that may come across as treating them as other? Their genuine goal is just to make sure they feel included, but are also so afraid of doing it in the wrong way. I also noticed there are some common questions people ask students of color that are off color without even realizing it. These include questions such as, where are you from? Bringing up that they have black friends, etc. So my question is, from a black student's perspective in a predominantly white university, what are some real applicable examples of how white students can treat students of color inclusively? Hopefully, that, oh yeah, and then you know, just blows a podcast, nice stuff like that. That's a great question. Great Demetrius. question. Rachel, you want to kick it off? Yes. Um, I want to first off by first off start off by saying um, thank you for acknowledging that you wouldn't say hi to a white student if they just passed you probably right. And so normally how I like to answer these questions is I think we there's like the level of sensitivity that we need to have when we meet people who are from marginalized communities, uh, but we also need to realize a lot of people just want to be people. 
that's at the end of the day we're all just regular people and we want to be treated as such especially being here in utah so much of our experience is centered around our identity that makes us different that sometimes we just want to exist as a human being and not be recognized my favorite thing about going home is just going to stores and people not staring at me going to stores and people like me not being the only black person those Mm -hmm. are so those are simple and and that's what we miss out here a lot in utah and so i think my first piece of advice is really when you get the opportunity to interact with a black person treat them like a person first and try to really get to know them as an individual because as you get to know them as an individual the parts of their marginalized identity about their blackness will come up because as you get to know someone they're going to talk about themselves and their culture and things that are important to them or hard experiences they're having but if you just really try to get to know them as an individual first that'll that goes a lot further than you think it would and you don't necessarily need to go out of your way but if you sit next to a black person in class you could be friendly uh because i've had experiences where people are not friendly to me because i'm black right or or as such right does that make sense what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah, i don't know well, anything that you want to add to that i think oh I just think treat me just treat us normal mm-hmm. yeah that sounds good perfectly <laughs> i think a lot of times people feel like they need to treat um, people of color differently and I understand where that comes from. Like, there's definitely, you know, the, the, the stigma behind racism is so negative because of the, the history of America, right? Racism is always framed as civil rights movement, sicking dogs on black people, shooting with fire hoses, lynching, Ku Klux Klan, right? And so people think of, of racism as if you do racism to somebody, you're a bad person, right? But it's not that simple. Um, and so I think there's just a lot of fear attached to being labeled as a racist, because of how we're taught about racism. Um, so the first thing you got to realize is that, you know, just like this person said, you don't have to say hello to everyone you see. Um, just be genuine, right? If you catch somebody's eye, don't, you know, look away and try to avoid them or anything like that. Just, you know, give them a nod or a heads up or whatever. You, um, and then, yeah, just, you know, don't feel the need to treat a black person any different than you would uh someone else right don't you know if you if you wouldn't walk up to a white person and say hey i've got white friends back in my home and such and such or i actually you know i served a mission in europe right if you're not gonna you know you wouldn't say those things to someone who's white so please don't tell the black person that you lived in africa or that you have a friend who's black you know i or that you served in the hood yeah that's my favorite yeah don't tell me that i want to hear that (laughs) all right so just you know when in doubt just ask yourself if you would treat um, someone who is like your your peer like that, right? So would you go up to, if you're a white person, would you go up to another white person and say something like this? Uh, and if you probably wouldn't, then it's, you know, just treat the person the same way that you would treat someone that you were comfortable around. Um, now, granted, there are times where you can certainly ask questions because people just don't know things, right? Uh, you know, we have our little table at the, the, the Wilkinson Center on BYU campus. We call it the black table because we would just sit there, like all of us <laughs> black and brown students, and just hang out. And uh, on occasion, we just have somebody walk up to us and just talk to us, right? And they would ask us, a, you know, maybe a weird question or something that they genuinely didn't know. And we never have a problem answering questions like that. We'll always, you know, be willing to talk to somebody and just answer a question that they don't know. But it's the people that act weird about it or, um, you know, treat us differently or other that that makes it a little bit more difficult or you know if they have a hidden agenda behind those questions if you just come up with a genuine desire to learn 
um, and it's just a genuine desire to connect with another human being, then you're going to get that response, right? Like, you know, and, and if you don't, then maybe that person was just having an off day and, you know, don't attribute it to a racial thing or them labeling you as racist. There's always going to be people that are, there's always going to be people that are having a bad day or that are not in the mood for a conversation, right? If I was to go up to people on campus, actually, we do this all the time, right? When we interview people, there's a lot of people that say yes. There's a lot of people that say no. And there's some people who just like ignore us straight up. Like they will just dead at, you know, just not look at us at all, ignore us, you know, so everybody's going through something different. Um, there's going to be times where people are willing to, to hear what you have to say or answer your questions and other times when they're not. I'm just rambling. No. Yeah, no, I amen to what Nate said. And I think, again, just people, and, and I think what's hard about BYU is I think number-wise it is hard, right? Like, black people are less than 1%. The likelihood of you, you could go a whole day week two weeks three weeks. i don't know how long people can go without seeing a black student on campus because i don't do that because i'm black but i know you can go a really long time without that but if you really have the desire to have friends that are different than you then i would recommend putting yourself in spaces and opportunities that would allow you to meet people that are different than you that doesn't mean go to black student union seeking black friends that doesn't mean going to hispanos unionos club and looking for hispanics no it means putting yourself in spaces where you can, where you know you're going to meet someone different than you. So if you stick with the same friends and the same friend group, try going to something in the social sciences. There are a lot of people of color, students of color who go to those events, right? If you see that the Black Student Union, like our perspective performance is happening, go to that to support it because you will meet people that are different than you through those um different avenues and so I, I say really just trying to put yourself in a space where you have the opportunity to meet someone who's not like yourself and I always use the example of me not being a part of the queer community but me wanting to be an ally to the queer community I don't go to the um what's the the club um on campus unofficial okay i don't go USGA? to their yes usga i don't go to their meetings trying to find friends who are queer but what do i do i just i'm myself and i represent try to speak out for all marginalized communities and i just through the circles that i'm a part of i meet people who are part of these communities naturally right and if there's something like there's something happening on june 11th on byu campus where we're trying to support byu queer students um an event that's being organized, I'm going to go to that because I want to support this community and I will be able to meet people that are not like me and have a story different than myself where it's an opportunity for me to learn. And so I really, I think that that's my advice is just try to find those opportunities and then you'll naturally meet people through there um, who you can maybe develop genuine friendships with where you can ask some questions that might be kind of weird to ask someone you don't know. Yeah. I love it. I think we'll leave it at that, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys for joining us for another podcast episode. We hopefully next week will be having an interview with someone. You'll have to wait to see who exactly that is. But our next podcast episode should be um, with someone from a marginalized community. Perfect. And just be sure to follow us on all of our social media outlets. We're on Twitter, Black Menaces. 
TikTok at The Black Menaces, Instagram at The Black Menaces, and then be sure to subscribe to us on Patreon for exclusive uh, video episodes of our podcast. And with that, we'll say bye to y'all and don't ever forget to be a menace. Amen. Every day, all day. Thank you, guys.